Good morning. We've lost many of our people to the other side of the wall. Pay no attention to all of the fun and excitement on the other side of that wall this morning. They've got balloons. I think they might have some candy and juggling. I'll be doing a little juggling on this side. And a unicycle. They've got some unicycles over there as well. So um, I'm going to try to pay attention to this and we're adults, so you can join me. Um, tonight we're going to have what, what the staff is calling volleys, uh, volunteer appreciation night. Uh, that's what the tents are out here on the side of the building. And we're going to have nice weather tonight. And we're going to have uh, a dinner together and just some fun and appreciate our volunteers. And I thought this morning, in between series, that I would share with you a message on service or volunteering. And I started thinking, you know, volunteering, organizations need volunteers, right? I mean, you don't have to be a church to need volunteers. I think volunteers is probably not the word that we're looking for. So I didn't preset somebody to hand out these if you didn't get one on your way in. If you want one, you can grab one on the table as you came in. Um, But at the top it says, only volunteering Uh, The truth is, it's way more than volunteering. The word is probably serving, and in that word of serving, there is so much involved. So, this morning I want to talk to you about my friend TJ, TJ TJ Graney. TJ runs an organization called Kids Outdoor Zone in uh, Austin, Texas. And TJ sent me an email last year, and he said, uh, hey Jeff and Johnny, um, I listened to your podcast for pastors of small churches, and, and uh, I, I really enjoy it because we work with a lot of small churches, and it helps me to get in the mindset and understanding of what pastors of small churches are dealing with. I think I'd be a great guest on your podcast. And, you know, we get a lot of those kinds of emails, and some of them are good, and some of them are, eh, you know, and you have to kind of weed them out. Uh, but at the time, I wasn't doing podcasts. A lot of last year, we just, I just got out of it, uh, was focusing on other things. Uh, this year, we've, we've, been, we've been back on all throughout this calendar year. And uh, so I saved those emails, and I emailed TJ back, and we set up a time in March to record together. I was with uh, my son, my wife, and I were with our son and daughter-in-law in Nebraska. From Nebraska, we drove over to Sioux City. And Mitch and I were just about to walk into an AT&T store to update his phone situation. And my phone rang, and it was TJ. He's like, oh, Jeff, man, I'm so sorry. I missed our time. I'm thinking, uh, was it today? <laughs> and we had actually scheduled that day to record. I was out of state and had totally lost my... I'm like, yeah, TJ, where were you, man? And so we're talking. And, and so anyway, we both missed the same time, and we were both praising God that the other one wasn't waiting for the other one. So we rescheduled, and just a couple weeks ago, uh, we recorded together. I was surprised by TJ, and in a minute, I'm going to play you just a little two-minute clip of his recording. But his ministry says this on his website. It says, the average kid today spends 40 minutes a week outside and 70 hours a week in front of an electronic screen. I'm like, TJ, that can't be right. It's like, dude, look at the numbers. That's the average kid in America. 
40 minutes a week outdoors and 70 hours a week in front of an electronic screen. Urban lifestyles, electronics, and a lack of mentors in outdoor skills and adventure has created an unhealthy gap between the kids today and the outdoors. It says, every spiritual, social, economic, and health statistic shows that boys' lives improve when they have a mentor. The men of the church use the program of Kids Outdoor Zone, they call it KOZ for short, use the program of KOZ to provide that mentoring opportunity to boys one Saturday morning a month. KOZ believes the local church should provide the spiritual community and the accountability for men to step into and grow in ministry. KOZ provides those men with training and curriculum to reach the fatherless and fathered boys in their community and church. So here you've got a guy who is um, doing it with men in churches. He kept referring to the men of the church, the men of the church, the men of the church have to step up and take care of the boys in the community, the boys in the community, the boys in the community. And um, at 13, TJ was, his parents left him. They left, basically they both walked out of the house they both went in different directions. His dad was drinking and his mom couldn't stand it anymore. And they basically left him. And between eighth and ninth grade, TJ found himself with one day left in the rented house. And then he was out on the lawn. And I, in the middle of the uh, recording, I said to him, okay, TJ, uh, you've told me about your ministry, but who is TJ Graney? Tell me, about, tell me your story. And he told me the story. And I was, I was so surprised by the story. And so uh, he basically spent the summer out on the lamb. He was having fun, tearing it up, and just out doing whatever he wanted to do all summer. And then the end of the summer came, and it came time for high school. So it was time to go to school. And so all the kids got on the bus the first day of high school, and he got on the bus, and they got to the high school, and they were getting their stuff around, and, and uh, he didn't have a locker. And uh, the bell rang, and the kids all went to their class, and he stood in the hallway, and he realized he'd never been signed up. There's no paperwork. He's got no class schedule. He's got no locker. And so nobody to call at home, so he just left. He just left. And then for the next several years, he was just out and about doing whatever TJs do when they get loose and they're not in school anymore. And he was kind of couch surfing for a while, and that's where his story picked up, picks up now. So I just want you to listen to a couple minutes of this. A young man found out, his parents found out I was living on the street and they offered me a room in their house. And I took them up on the offer because I thought, that's a no-brainer. Free room, you know, washer, dryer, food. And the only caveat to the whole thing was that I had to go to church with them on Sundays. And I thought, hey, no, but I thought, you know, I'd grown up with Catholic stuff. So I know you just go in there, you hang out, you kneel a little bit, and then you bail off. It's an, it's an hour and, and you're done. Well, I went with them to church and it was, they went to this little Bible church. And those people talked about Jesus. They had Bibles in their hands. They did fellowship together. They did meals together. And it was different, so much different. And there was a young guy, his name was, he's probably in his 30s. And his name was Terry Moyer. And he came alongside me and started mentoring me. 
And for the next few weeks, he would just talk to me. And I ended up asking for Jesus in my heart and getting baptized in that little church. And I stayed with that for a couple of weeks, but then I spun off and went back out doing what I was doing. But I can tell you that from that moment forward, that stuff I did on the streets, those choices I was make I was making were different. I could feel something wasn't right when I would do the things that I was doing. And eventually I met my wife. We got married and we wanted to raise our kids in church. That was kind of where I started my walk with Jesus. I, I, that's really where I did, you know. Then I, I remembered how much I loved that little church, how much I longed for that little church and those people, the way they acted and the way they cared for me. Um, there was a point I remember while I was on the streets, I remember looking across, I was hitchhiking and I got dropped off on the interstate in the middle of Alabama. And, uh, and I'm, it was three o'clock in the morning. I was by myself. It was cold and I was tired and I was hungry and it started to rain. And I was just standing there on the side of the road. And I remember looking across this field at this little white farmhouse way across this plowed field. And I remember thinking to myself, I just want to go over there and knock on that door and ask those people if they will love me. Will, they, will you please just take me in and love me? And when I found that church, I started to feel that. I started to feel like, and when, I, when my wife and I started going to church, that's what I was finding was, you know, somebody was at that farmhouse. They did open the door. They did care for me. They did love me, and they began mentoring me. And So when we talk about serving and volunteering, what are we talking about? You know, filling a spot, uh, filling a slot. Oh, I'll, I'll pass out this or I'll do that or I'll do this other thing. We're really talking about people. We're talking about caring for and loving people. The, the people that we wouldn't expect would be people that we should even spend much time on. Uh, I, I say that. I feel weird even saying that. But sometimes, right, we're that way. We can look at somebody and think, oh, you know, well, they're, they're never, they're never going to amount to anything. Who would have thought TJ was going to amount to a hill of beans? And uh, we, we recorded for 50 minutes, and listening to a story reminded me how important it is when we gather together to make sure everyone's included, to find the person that's kind of sitting off on their own, who may be new, is not connected anywhere, who just needs some love, and love which looks a lot like uh, time, being cared for, being respected, being valued, and it, we talk about that a lot in pastor circles, whether or not when you come into a church, are you greeted? Are you, does anybody pay attention to you? Does anybody say hello? And there's a lot of people who love to say, well, I came into that church, I walked in, I sat down, and I went through the whole service and left, and nobody ever said hi to me. And there will be those people that those who should be saying hi to somebody that they need. They need that person to say hello to them. We who are believers, we who are servants of Jesus, we know that we don't come to be said hi to. We come to say hi to others, right? We come to say, what can I give? How can I serve? Because when it comes to serving, serving is not what we do. It comes down to who we are. It comes down to who we are. 
what is our identity? Because when we understand our identity and we understand who we are, then serving is just second nature. Serving is just, that's just what we do because we're followers of Jesus and Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And so therefore we get that opportunity to serve in every way, in everything we do. So thinking about somebody like TJ, who then goes on to find a church like the church who loved him and become a part of it and then recognize that society is leaving young boys by the wayside. And by the way, there are ministries also for girls, right? And it's okay to have a ministry for boys and a ministry for girls. Not every ministry is for everybody. But this ministry for boys is grabbing hold of the boys in society that are sitting by themselves. I was one of those boys. My dad was in the house, but we didn't have much connection before I was maybe like 16 years old. And so when I was uh, 10 years old, and the pastor said to me on a Sunday morning, he said, uh, hey Jeff, how about if tonight after the service, you and I, you come with me and my son, we're going out to Maston's Pond to do some fishing. You want to come with us? It's like, yeah, I'll go with you. It's real close to my house, and yeah, I'll go. I remember that night so clearly. I was 10. He said to me, he said, what, do you, what kind of lure do you use at night, Jeff? Uh, I said, I don't know, like a bright one. He said, or maybe a black one? Probably not black. He said, hold up your hand to the night sky. I held my hand up. He goes, what do you see? Well, I see my hand. He goes, what color is it? I said, well, it looks black because the sky has stars and stuff. He says, you want a black lure because as the fish look up at it, they'll see it at night. So you want to use a black one. I remember his car was parked across the pond and his wife and two little kids were in the car waiting. And me and his son and him were out fishing. I remember a lot of things about that night. You know how many times he took me fishing? One time. One time. This guy was your average pastor. Nothing special. In fact, honestly, didn't achieve a whole lot in ministry. Except for he made a difference in my life. And probably a lot of others who I don't know about. And it was, uh, it was just a year or two ago. Time goes by quickly, right? And he was... Um, old and dying. And his son got on Facebook or uh, FaceTime with me and I got to talk to him. He's in his wheelchair and he's old and he's dying and we got to have two conversations before he passed away. And we got to tell each other we loved each other. And those things that you would want to say to somebody that you often don't get the chance to, I got the chance to do that. And that was so meaningful. And again, why was it meaningful? Because a guy paid attention to this little truant kid that would show up at his church without his parents. He gave me 
the time of day. I remember stopping at the church one day with my friend, and it was uh, a weekday, and the pastor was in his office, and we went in, and he was talking to me, and he said, he said, hey, he goes, you know what, on a Sunday morning, when you get up on Sunday morning to come to church, just kind of, you know, get your bowl out of the kitchen cupboard for your cereal, and just kind of clank it with the other bowls a little bit. And when you open the, the, the silverware drawer, just kind of open it a little loud and jangle the silverware around. And maybe your, maybe your folks will wake up. They'll say, where are you going? And you say, I'm going to church. Why don't you come with me? Now, that never worked. Because I was always quiet, taught to be quiet when I got up in the morning. But those are the kinds of things that you remember 50 years later. That because somebody paid attention to you. So... I'm saying that because for us today, right now is always the most important. Right now. Like when we get up in a little bit and we walk around and talk to each other, right now is the most important. How we treat each other, how we interact with each other. It's never yesterday. Yesterday's gone. And it's never tomorrow. Tomorrow is always tomorrow. It's always only today. And today it's always right now. So right now is the most important. So wherever you are, at work, at school, in the neighborhood, at play, whatever you're doing, now is the most important time to remember who we are, that we're followers of Jesus, that we're servants, and that we get an opportunity to serve and to do good, to build somebody up. Because it just takes, it just takes a moment of a day that 50 years from now, that person will remember and it doesn't, you don't have to juggle five things like this guy in the other room is doing. I mean, you don't have to have this great skill. You just got to walk up to somebody and recognize them and encourage them and affirm their value and respect them as a person, no matter who it is, no matter what the situation. Because you never know that 50 years from now, somebody's going to be talking about how you cared. Um, I get, my skin crawls just a little bit every service when Trenton gets up. Not because it's Trenton. When Trenton gets up and he says, we exist to love God, love others, and make disciples. And I think to myself, oh, I hope we're doing that good enough to say that. Because I know that there are some people who are going to say, I didn't feel loved. I had a surgery or I had a death in my family or I had an accident or I didn't have enough money or I was sick and nobody came and nobody called. Somehow they fell through the cracks. And when we say that, and I want us to continue saying it every Sunday, Pastor Bo started that and it was such a good idea to, to say and to repeat our mission every Sunday because the truth is, we all have to do that loving one another. We all have to do it. Because if we don't all do it, somebody's going to fall through the cracks. Because God's going to use all of us to love others. Now, before I keep going, let's go to 1 Peter on your outline, on your sheet, 1 Peter chapter 2. Because everything I've said, you go back to the scriptures, and there's rich, deep theology, biblical truth behind this that tells us who we are and what we should be doing and how we're to live. And it, when it tells us who we are, again, who we are 
drives what we do. And if we don't know who we are, if we've got our self-image and our self-esteem and our self-concept all messed up, then we're not going to do what we're supposed to do. That's why people go out and they do all these crazy things. They don't know they're made in the image of God. They don't understand that God created them for a good purpose. And that story about them is so much better than the story that they've been telling themselves or the story that the world is telling about them. God's story about us is always a better story because who we are drives what we do. So think about these things as we look at what Peter says here in two different sections, a little section in chapter 2 and a short section in chapter 4. He says, as you come to him, the living stone, and already we've got us and Jesus here in this phrase, Jesus is the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him. So Jesus, the living stone, is precious to the Father, to God, you also, and then he says we're like Jesus, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house uh, to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Well, we're like living stones, and we're being built together, not into a spirit, not into a physical temple like the stones of the temple, but into this spiritual edifice, into this spiritual house, into this spiritual building. And we're to be a holy priesthood. The, the priests were only of the tribe of Levi in the days of Israel, the people of Israel. They were one of the 12 tribes. But here he says, all of us, all of us are a holy priesthood. Offering what kind of sacrifices? Not literal flesh, flesh and blood sacrifices, but spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That speaks of our coming to God, our regeneration, our justification, our sanctification, all those things that happen to us when Jesus makes us new, when we're born again spiritually. But it also speaks to what we do. Spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God are also all the one another commands in the New Testament. And then he says in verse 6, For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion. Uh, Zion is in reference to Jerusalem, uh, the, the, the king's city. I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, I'm not an architect, and I don't know about building and all that stuff, but I know that the cornerstone somehow sets the pace for the rest of the edifice, for the rest of the structure. And the cornerstone has to be put in the right spot, and then as everything else squares up to it, it's, it's in the right place. And he is talking about Jesus being the cornerstone of this building that we, like living stones, are all fitting into. And we all find our place and our purpose and our design in Jesus, who is the cornerstone of the building that we together form. And the one who trusts in this cornerstone will never be put to shame. Now, I left the little parenthetical FN 
marks in this passage because these are the footnotes which simply say this is a quote or an allusion back to a verse in the Old Testament or another verse in the New Testament. So these footnotes are real important when you're reading the Bible because they give you a context, another part of Scripture that sheds light and understanding on the passage that you're reading. So verse 7, it says, Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. Jesus is precious. He's our Savior. But to those who don't believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This stone that those who thought they were building the house of God, the religionists, the people all about the religion, they tossed Jesus out. Oh, wait a minute. This is the most important stone in the whole thing. And he has become the cornerstone. Verse 8. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. We're connected to Jesus, the cornerstone. This verse 8, this uh, quote comes from a passage It's either in Isaiah or the Psalms, I forget which. But in the context, the stone the builders rejected, or I'm sorry, the stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall is referring to Almighty God, the Lord God Almighty, Lord, all caps, Jehovah, Yahweh. That's who it's referring to. And then in the New Testament, you find that that same phrase is used for Jesus. So at some point, you'll be out there and people will say, well, the word Trinity is never mentioned in the Scriptures anywhere, and there's only one God, so you can't say that Jesus is equal to God. He's just the Son of God, and the Spirit is not God. It's just the spiritual force of, of God. It's the, the universe, right? And it's not true because as you look through the Bible, these are the kinds of phrases you will see all over the Old and New Testament. Because you find, you find the Father and Jehovah, Yahweh of the Old Testament, and Jesus of the New Testament with the same titles, doing the same deeds or actions, and receiving the same kind of worship. In the New Testament, you remember the angels would tell the men and the disciples when they would do miracles, would tell the people, hey, do not bow to me, don't worship me, or I'm like you, I'm, I'm not God, I'm not divine. Jesus never said that. He never refused worship. And so here you see the same description, the same words used for Jehovah in the Old Testament is being used here for Jesus in the New Testament. And you see the same thing where it talks about God creating. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then over in the New Testament, there's this part that says something about Jesus uh, where everything was made by him and there was nothing created that has been created that it wasn't done by Jesus. Well, which is it? Is it, is it Elohim, which happens to be a plural word for God in Hebrew? Is it God or is it Jesus? Who, who created here? And the answer is yes. And you see the Spirit hovering above the waters in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 there. You've got the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible and in so many places in the New Testament. Why this is important is because if we are in Christ and if in Jesus all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in bodily form, 
And Galatians 2.20 says, the life that I now live by faith, uh, I, I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. It's, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. We have a relationship and we are connected to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's who we are. So when you have a message about serving, volunteering is way too five cent of a word for serving. And serving, again, happens because we're connected to this God who serves, this, this trinity who's, where they serve one another in love. The Father serves the Son who serves the Spirit who serves the Father and on and on because there's this holy community within the Trinity. And then God creates us in his image to be, to be in community with one another. And so we serve one another and we serve one another in love. And I think we're going to see that in just a minute. So we get down to verse 9 and he says, you're a chosen people. Oh, I thought that was the Israelites. It's like, yeah, it was the Israelites. And it's you who by faith have trusted in Jesus Christ, have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. Again, it's not just the Levites. It's, it's all of us now. We're a holy nation. We're God's special possession, a people of his very own, another translation says. And those are all good things. Those are who we are. That's our identity. No question. Peter's leaving no question here as to who we are. We are people of God. Who are you? I'm a child of God. I am a chosen person. I am royal. I am holy because God has made me that. Now what do I do? Now it says here, so that there's that word henna again, the in order that, for the purpose of, you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Look at that phrase, declare the praises. Oh, we were just doing that in here when we were singing. That's the totality of it. So as long as I show up every Sunday and sing, I've declared the praises of God, I'm good. I, when we look at that, we understand that it's how we run our business. It's how we take care of our business, our business. Sometimes we have to mind our own business. Sometimes we have to mind others' business and help. It's how, it's the words we say, it's the thoughts we have, it's the things that we do. All those things should declare the praises of this one who took us out of darkness and brought us into his marvelous light. And people who live in the light act differently than the people who live in the darkness. And one of the ways they act differently is that they serve one another, is that they care for one another. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, quick on the other side of the page, 1 Peter chapter 4, he says this. He says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray and above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. So you get on a serving team with somebody and somebody is just a burr in your saddle. They're just a pain and 
I don't know, that Nintendo Warrior char character? Wario. You remember, who remembers Wario from Nintendo? Hey, good, good, yeah. And he used, he used to do this thing, right? You're, you're just a pain. Sometimes people are a pain, you know, you know where, right? And you think, I can't serve with them. I'm not going to serve with them. They're just, they make me so mad. I get so frustrated with them. And then we look at... Um, Love each other deeply because love covers all over a multitude of those kinds of pains. Painses. Love covers over that. Love overlooks. Love is forbearing and patient. And love is kind, is forgiving. Love just, hey, you could treat me that way, but I'm just going to make pretend you're treating me well. I'm just going to make pretend you're not treating me that way. And that's how I'm going to treat you. I'm going to treat you well, even if you don't treat me well. Recently, there was a couple that came to the church, and they, they wanted money. And all of a sudden, they were just here. And they had a little kid, and they wanted money. And uh, uh, they came. They ended up in my office, and I don't know. How do you know? whether or not you should give money to somebody. And you all have put together this benevolent fund, which has a very specific amount of money in it. We can always know there's the amount. Sarah can tell us. I didn't know. So I decided I'm going to give them some money, but I'm going to give them some of our money, hon, our money, some of my own money. Because if I'm wrong, then it's just me, then I'm the one that's out. And when I gave them the money, I looked them in the eye and I said, you might be just scamming me right now. But I give this to you in the name of Jesus because I care about you and I hope that this helps you. And uh, I have the joy of giving it to you. And I don't know, I don't know if they walked out and they... We'll come back here in a while, right? I have no idea. But we love each other deeply because love covers over multitude of sins or potential sins, possible sins. Love can just cover over it. And I felt good about helping. And if I got taken advantage of, oh well. Sometimes we get taken advantage of. Because verse 9 says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I didn't grumble. I just offered hospitality. I don't always. I don't always. That was, the one, that was the one day I was the winner, and I'm telling you the one day I'm the winner. There's a lot of days when I'm not. Verse 10 is so important here. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. This is a very famous and well-known verse. Whatever gift you have received, God has given you and I a gift or gifts. We have gifts. And we're to use those to serve one another. And in doing so, we're faithfully stewarding this gift of this grace gift that God has given us, and it comes in various forms. Like there are some of you, um, young man, remind me of your first name. What is it? Andrew. Andrew, yeah, Andrew. So Andrew, you build stuff, right? You don't want to step on anything that I've built. You don't want to live in anything 
that I built. But Andrew was telling me what he does. And very different gifts than what I have. I, I don't have those gifts. My dad had two, maybe three tools. He had a pair of pliers, a hammer, and then he had a screwdriver, and I'm not sure which kind of screwdriver he had. And that was all. And every, every job had to use one of those three tools. That's all that I knew. But, but various forms. Andrew's got different gifts than I have. You, you, some of you have different gifts than either one of us have. God has given us those gifts and abilities so that we can serve one another and help one another and do it out of love without grumbling. That's where the joy is. That's where the wonder is. And, and again, it goes back to who we are. He, he goes on to say there in verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. This is how God receives praise, when we use what he's given us to serve others. Dynamite life principles from Peter. There's four at the bottom of your sheet. Number one, we are, call, or, sorry, we are chosen. We are chosen. God chose us. A lot of people don't know they're chosen. They just think they're just, they're just people. They're just out there. They're just doing their thing. They're just, you know, standing up for their rights and they're just, you know, doing their thing or whatever. They don't realize that, no, God created them in his image. And when they don't know who they are, they'll do and say anything because they don't have a reference point. That's why those of us who are servants of God have to speak up and let people know who created them, whose image they're made in, who died for their sins, who loves them. Because that story is a much better story than the story we tell ourselves. And then number two, we are called. We are called. We're, we're not called to just sit on a bus or sit in the stand somewhere. We're called to be in the game. We're called to be a part of being God's people. And then number uh, three, to praise God through our lives. All things, all things, that in everything we would bring praise to God through Jesus Christ. And then number four, to love one another deeply, for real. To love one another deeply. None of these things are hard. God's equipped us for all of them. And the cool thing that as a pastor, I know that I could look at any person, any person, and know that when they turn themselves over to God, God will use them in a very significant way. In a very significant way. Everyone has significance. Everyone is important. God will use everyone. So only volunteering, chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, people of his very own possession, more than a volunteer, more than a volunteer, a servant of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you that each one of us uh, are more than volunteers. Uh, we may raise our hand and we may say, uh, here I am, I'll do it. Uh, but Lord, you're the one, you're the one who transforms us and who changes us, who makes us into the people that we are. And you give us the motivation and you give us the fuel in our souls, that love for other people that, that keeps us going when physically we want to we lay down and we want to quit. Uh, you give us through your spirit and uh, through the power of your son and the resurrection you give us the power of love. God, may, may our church be known as that place where people are different, 
where they love and care for each other, they believe in Jesus, they read their Bibles and they pray and they sing praise. God, may our church be that kind of a place and may we make a difference in the lives of people so that some people will leave here and go out into the world and exponentially multiply our investment. Multiply that little seed, 30, 60, 100 fold. God, we love you, we praise you, we worship you. Help us, Lord, this week to share your love with others. In Jesus' name, amen.